Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown! You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Hello and welcome back to the Roto Experts Daily Podcast. I am Scott Engel, the Managing Director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy here with you for Tuesday, February 5th, 2019. It's uh, now a new era in Roto Experts as we have got NFL 365, NFL all year round. Uh, we're going to have some great announcements coming up for you. Right now we have some uh, great free year-round content on rotoexperts.com. Check out uh, check out my latest on rotoexperts.com as I take a look at the New England Patriots heading into 2019. Uh, how can the Patriots improve around Tom Brady? What will they expect receiver-wise? Because Philip Dorsett, Cordarrelle Patterson, uh, Chris Hogan, all free agents. And you don't know what to expect from Josh Gordon. Is Sony Michelle an RB1 and will James White be an RB1 next year as well. And if Rob Gronkowski retires, what will the Patriots do? I break that all down for fantasy purposes, no matter what style you play in on rotoexperts.com this morning. Check out our top 100 players of 2018 as well. We have the full countdown there. Who is ranked number one? Who is ranked the number one overall uh, fantasy football player for 2018 based on some mathematical compu- computations and some inputs for some of our top experts. Make sure you check that out at rotoexperts.com where we now NFL 365 days a year. Of course, spring training is approaching and you say, Scott, what about baseball? Uh, we'll be pointing you to some great sites for fantasy baseball. And uh, on this podcast, I will continue to uh, to uh, talk about fantasy baseball. I've been playing fantasy baseball regularly since the late 90s, and uh, I'm not going to take off from that. You'll hear a lot of baseball analysis, a lot of you getting ready for my draft. Uh, I actually have a mock draft tomorrow night uh, with my friends over at Roto Ballers. So uh, that's something that we can discuss as well. And uh, we'll be able to talk about that as soon as Thursday's podcast. Uh, a, a lot more, obviously, cleats, if you will, left to fall when it comes to talking to fantasy baseball. We're getting very close to spring training. It's still no Bryce Hopper, still no Manny Machado signed, and other notable free agents out there still going unsigned. Uh, the JT Romuto thing might last forever, uh, could last all throughout the season for all we know. Hey, we heard about Real Muto last year, and he never went anywhere. So that could certainly happen again. But we'll be talking football year-round on the podcast. Uh, you know, there's a lot, lot to go over. The, uh, the, the, obviously, the Super Bowl is over, and now two of the final head coaching uh, spots have uh, been filled. 
as two of uh, prominent, two prominent uh, coaches from each team is are now landing in new spots with the Bengals and the Dolphins, respectively. And we'll go over both of those situations uh, comprehensively, uh, starting with the Miami Dolphins, who named uh, Brian Flores and uh, their new head coach and announced him to the media yesterday. The Dolphins looking to sink out of a, a long uh, a long run of mediocrity after firing Adam Gase, who somehow the New York Jets inexplicably hired right away. I guess they believe more in Gase than, uh, than what, from what we saw in Miami. Over the last decade, the Dolphins have finished consistently between 6 and 10 wins. They have not won less than 6 games. They have not won more than 10 games. And uh, so they've admired in sort of that purgatory between good and bad. I guess when you win 10 games, can you could be considered mediocre. But for most of the run, uh, over the last 10 years, the Dolphins have been a mediocre franchise. Uh, they've suffered a lot over the last two decades. So as their fan base, uh, this team has really never recovered from the retirement from Dan Marino, to be honest with you. You can't name me one uh, above-average quarterback on that roster since Dan Marino retired. So and you know, that's going to be the situation for Flores in Miami as he goes immediately in one day, he goes from the top to the bottom of the, NF, of the AFC East because that's where it looks like uh, the Dolphins will be playing next year. So all the way from the Patriots, all the way down to the Dolphins, uh, he had to have the same vision as the GM and the owner, who both realize that this is a rebuild. They're looking at about a two- to three-year plan to get this team back in contention. Uh, when it comes to the salary cap, they're bottom 10 here, so we'll have to wait and see what they're going to do in the offseason. They do have some good defensive pieces. Will the Dolphins bring back Cameron Wake? Uh, who's been a stable player for them. Uh, some speculation in uh, in South Florida is that maybe he'll sign a team-friendly one-year deal. Uh, you know, that's that's one player that at least Dolphin fans can identify with if he if he uh, comes back. A lot of pieces on offense that really don't excite you. Although we'll talk about the running game in a second, what it means fantasy-wise. For, for the Miami Dolphins in, in 2019, maybe there's a little bit of excitement there uh, for the Dolphins when you when you look ahead. But uh, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? Will they be drafting a quarterback? Uh, and can that guy start right away? Because you want to throw a rookie into a situation where, like that where he doesn't have too many playmakers. It's not going to be good. But this uh, Miami Dolphins hire was, uh, was unusual because everybody seems to be looking for offensive minds, and you figured that the Dolphins will be looking for an offensive mind themselves to maybe spark this offense. But, you know, the uh, the Dolphins decided to go with a defensive mind, but Brian Flores, when you look at his track record, has really been all over every side of the team throughout the Patriots dynasty. And... Maybe it's more about wanting to bring somebody from a winning culture. Everybody praising Flores for his game plan in Super Bowl 53, but the Dolphins had already identified him as their next head coach. 
They just couldn't make it official until after the Super Bowl. Uh, but that only that only could spur confidence about his play calling, which actually went against the Rams' new uh, new head coach in Super Bowl Fifty Three. But everybody credited him, Brian Flores, for doing a great defense defensive job, along with Bill Belichick. And uh, that that's a reason for some optimism there in Miami for 2019 and going forward. So looking at uh, Brian Flores' track record, he's been part of that that that, uh, that Patriots dynasty uh, for an extensive period, uh, beginning with an, uh, being a scouting assistant in 2004, uh, being promoted to pro scout in 2006, uh, joined the coaching staff in 2008 as a special teams assistant, in 2010, he was promoted to assistant offense and special teams. In 2011, defensive assistant. And in 2012, uh, was safeties coach. Then from 2016 to 2018, he was the linebackers coach, uh, as you well know, and uh, started calling the plays this past season and now head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So the biggest question, like we've said, and the front office is uh, maintained, although we've heard some rumors, that uh, they don't know what they're doing with Ryan Tannehill uh, just yet. But, you know, there's already been reports out of Miami that the Dolphins are expected to move on from Tannehill, maybe possibly trade him, etc. cetera. Uh, in this weak quarterback market, you know, maybe uh, Tannehill could go to a team with more offensive pieces. But I think the Dolphins are past the point of believing that Ryan Tannehill can – be their franchise quarterback, and I don't think you could blame him. We've never seen anything great from Tannehill overall to suggest that he can carry an offense uh, so or just be a piece of a formidable offense. The Patriots draft number 13, uh, a lot of speculation that they will take a quarterback at that spot. Uh, will they dip into the veteran market maybe to bring in a uh, – a veteran quarterback and maybe jolt the offense a little bit more because, uh, you know, when you just have spe- speculate and play around with it, if the Philadelphia Eagles are going to put together a scenario in which they trade Nick Foles, would they trade him to Miami? That could be one of the landing spots. They're not going to want to trade him with the AFC East. Jacksonville has been mentioned as one spot, but Miami could obviously really use a quarterback. Uh, to have a veteran quarterback running that offense, uh, maybe the pay, maybe the Dolphins can go elsewhere in the draft, as uh, some mock drafts have them going. Been looking at some of the mock drafts on NFL.com, and uh, one of some of them don't even have the Dolphins taking a quarterback in the first round. So we're gonna have to wait and see what they do from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, having bring over Jim Caldwell with him as well uh, to be an assistant. Uh, should certainly help Ryan Flores, uh, you know, bring it over some of the New England staff and as a group and with the front office, they're going to have to decide what they're going to do with Ryan Tannehill there. And, uh, you know, do they bring in a rookie? Because if they don't bring in a veteran and that offense is still in rebuilding mode, it's a lot to ask of a rookie in his first season to come in there and basically pilot that offense right away. So, you know, maybe getting a bridge quarterback and drafting a rookie, you know, might be the best idea for the Miami Dolphins. Maybe getting a Joe Flacco or somebody like that, uh, you know, while they draft a rookie and Flacco can operate sort of that 
player coach is maybe the best thing for the Miami Dolphins to do. When you look at their offensive pieces, though, not a lot. Not a lot of them are free agents. Uh, you don't have too many exciting playmakers. Will this team team keep Devontae Parker, or will they move on from him? Uh, I think that's up for the new regime to decide. Uh, if they get a new quarterback, can, can Devontae Parker maybe finally start living up to his potential? But it's up to Devontae Parker to stay healthy. Uh, we've seen Parker play with a few different quarterbacks. None of them outstanding. If a new quarterback comes in, if they bring in a Nick Foles, uh, could they light something under Devontae Parker? Will Devontae Parker even be back? Uh, then you have Kenny Stills there. And not too much behind him. Uh, you have Danny Amendola, who's a respected veteran, and he's got that New England background. You have Leonte Carew, who really hasn't amounted to anything. Uh, what will Albert Wilson's health be like in 2019? Uh, all things to consider here. Kenny Stills has never been dependable. You know, some of these guys, maybe you're looking at him as sort of bottom end so dynasty guys. I think you have to hold on to Albert Wilson after what he showed last year because he can step in and be a playmaker here. He never was in Kansas City when he got the opportunity, but, uh, you know, really showed himself to be a big playmaker sort of guy uh, in some flashes last year with the Dolphins. So, Albert Wilson is going to be very interesting to see uh, going into next season, coming off of that injury, and who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, will they will they, will they they lock on to Wilson as maybe one of their top guys because Parker is just not doing it? But then for receiving core, just overall, a lot of guesswork. It, it's very muddled. Uh, Mike Kosicki, can he take a step forward in his second year? Uh, big target. Good for a young quarterback to lead on and getting maybe a lot of work in training camp as uh, as well and in the preseason. You know, you got one young guy, maybe he's throwing to another young guy. Gasicki was basically non-existent in his rookie season, but a big red zone target uh, that Dolphins still have some high hopes for. Uh, when you play in the Dynasty League, Gasicki's got a lot of appeal. You know, we've seen a lot of tight ends come into the league and make a splash right away uh, early in their career over the last, like, two, three seasons, which is unusual. Gasicki seems to be more uh, following the track of a guy that it might take two, three years to develop. Uh, really only a dynasty league play right now. Uh, Albert Wilson, maybe maybe more of a best ball guy. Kenny Stills, certainly a best ball guy. Maybe Devontae Parker to a lesser degree. The Dolphins are bottom 10 in terms of salary cap. Can they free, free up some money to go after a playmaker? Would, would a Golden Tate want to come to Miami? If not, uh, Randall Cobb is maybe another guy, a veteran wide receiver that they would want to bring into Miami. Uh, would Dante Moncrief want to come there as well? Those are some of the bigger names in free agency. Would the Dolphins want to make a tra big trade for Antonio Brown? Uh I think Antonio Brown might want to go to a winner initially, but then you see him saying that uh, he wants to go to San Francisco. And uh, I guess he feels very good about Jimmy Garoppolo, but if Nick Foles were to go to Miami, would Antonio Brown want to follow him? I doubt it because it's more of a full rebuilding project in Miami than it certainly is in San Francisco. But the Dolphins have uh, two interesting running backs heading into the 2000. Uh, 19 season, Kalen Balaj flashed for a game 
really at the end of last season, but I think everybody remembers how Kenyon Drake was really misused by Adam Gase and company last year, and he's going to be the guy to watch for me. Uh, I think at best uh, the new offensive staff here in Miami – uh, might realize that they can get more out of Drake with regular touches. And, you know, maybe the arrow is pointing up here for Kenyon Drake in 2019. Uh, we saw towards the end of 2018 what he could really do. And we saw his versatility and some explosiveness at times. He was very, very inconsistent. But I have to think the way that the Dolphins would lead is maybe having a timeshare. At least they're set at running back uh, for next year with Kalen Balage. Uh, you know, maybe sort of being that inside runner and maybe Kenyon Drake working on the perimeter, uh, kind of similar to like an old Carolina Panthers sort of philosophy with D'Angelo Williams and uh, Jonathan Stewart. But Kenyon Drake's got a lot of upside, I think. He's, he's very versatile. He's very explosive. Get him in space and he can make plays. Uh, I think with Adam Gates moving on, I, th- I think uh, the outlook – is somewhat raised for Kenyon Drake. Uh, we'll have to wait and see the co- how the coaching staff uh, looks at this for 2019. But I think I think Kenyon Drake becomes a very interesting player in keeper and dynasty leagues uh, for for 2019. If the Dolphins go ahead and decide they want to purely make him the number one back, uh, Kenyon Drake's got some upside to be a big part of that offense as both a runner and receiver. If uh, they make him part of a timeshare. You know, maybe he's more of a flex play, but he, he still has a lot of upside, both as a runner and a receiver. Uh, so this is going to be very interesting from dynasty perspectives. Uh, do you want to go ahead and make a trade for Kenyon Drake? I don't think you'll have to give up a lot. Uh, dynasty owners are very savvy, and they might be they might be less they might be more hesitant to give up a guy like Caleb Balaj. But uh, I think he'll certainly like Kenny Drake a little more as a best ball player because he strikes me as that type of guy that he can make the most of every touch. And he can be very, very explosive and, and make a big play from anywhere on the field. And I think, uh, I think in a best ball format, that makes Drake very attractive. You know, he might be something of a value play in uh, 2019. Just not sure what his role is going to be. What is that coaching staff and the new offensive coordinator who's coming over from New England going to decide? Is Kenny Drake ready to be a lead back, or do they want to have him share with Caleb Balazs, who's very talented? I think you lean more towards the latter, but uh, you know, after what we saw of Kenny Drake late in 2018 and in some spurts last year, he, he never got the ball consistency consistently. And maybe handing the ball to him more frequently, letting him get into rhythm, can really help Kenyon Drake, uh, who I think still has a, a lot of upside here. Uh, maybe less optimism surrounding Kevin Kenyon Drake heading into the new season, uh, but I, I like him even if he gets to play part time. There's possible big plays every week. Good best ball player. Good daily selection. Uh, as the Dolphins look to move forward and rebuild, the running game is going to be the key. Because especially if they were to have a young quarterback, they're going to have to want to take pressure off the quarterback. But it, it's really it's really too soon to project what his outlook's going to be because we don't know what the new coaching staff is going to think, and we don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, if they were able to get a Nick Foles, for instance, then the offense, uh, the, the defenses will respect the quarterback more. 
if they get a rookie, then, uh, you know, defenses may uh, load up against the run and want to pressure the rookie. So uh, Kenny Drake, look, he's got some upside for, for 2019. So does Caleb Bellage, but we have to see how a lot's going to shake out in Miami before we really know what their outlooks are going to be. Still, uh, overall, as I've already said, you know, I'm optimistic on Drake. If he plays in a part-time role, uh, there's some upside there whenever he touches the ball. If they have a young quarterback, the young quarterback is going to want to throw to him in space, and I think he'll rack up a lot of catches. Even even if Caleb Bellage is the lead, is uh, gets a lot of carries, Kenny Drake is a really potent pass receiver out of the backfield. So when you're looking from a PPR type perspective, even if he's to share running back touches, uh, you know you think about guys like James White, etc. He can be very busy in the receiving game. So I, that's why I like Kevin Kenny Drake versatility, upside role has yet to be defined, but I'm liking to head into 2019. So uh, there's our outlook for the Dolphins' early outlook under their new head coach. And uh, like we said, they go with a defensive mind there. But but the Cincinnati Bengals choosing to go with an offensive mind and a very young offensive mind uh, becomes just the the second oldest uh, head coach in the NFL, 35-year-old Zach Taylor. Uh, who has a college and pro background, which is kind of mixed, uh, was the quarterback's coach for the Rams. And uh, like Flores, he was not allowed to be hired until after the Super Bowl. So it was before that very bad performance from Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. But I don't think the Bengals were actually going to rate him by that necessarily anyway. Uh, I think they're very happy with uh, with who they have because they, I think the Bengals are looking for a culture change. And that was really the word around uh, the Bengals' headquarters yesterday and from a lot of people that are around the organization that uh, they're very excited about him because supposedly he interviewed very great and uh, he had a great interview. And just it might be more about intangibles here and just getting a fresh start with Zach Taylor because the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 1990, they made the playoffs all those times under Marvin Lewis, but were not able to get over the hump. You know, they finally realized after we all knew it for years that they, they needed a change, that just the culture under Marvin Lewis was going to change. You know, some coaches, they just, they never win the big games. And uh, Marvin Lewis could never win a playoff game. And that was a big game for him. You know, we've seen guys like Marty Schottenheimer, who was a great coach, but, you know, can never get his team to the Super Bowl. Some coaches are made to be coordinators and not head coaches. We'll have to see this with both Flores and Taylor going forward. But a lot of people just talking about a fresh new approach with Zach Taylor and just his philosophy and his optimism, etc. On offense, you know, this team is going to be much the same. Andy Dalton got off to a very good start before he was injured last year. And uh, Andy Dalton has never been really above an average quarterback. Can Zach Taylor come in here and give this offense a jolt? Because they've certainly had a lot of playmakers. And on paper, there's a lot of potentials for the Cincinnati Bengals, for both NFL and fantasy-wise, for 2019. So take a look at his background. It's not really too inspiring. When you look at his overall experience, uh, former CFL player for one year and uh, played for the Buccaneers for one year. But as a coach, 
Uh, Zach Taylor started at Texas A&M for three years as a graduate assistant starting in 2008. Uh, 2012, he became assistant's quarterbacks coach for the Dolphins and then was promoted to, to quarterbacks coach in 2013. Uh, he lasted there until the last four games of 2015 when he's promoted to offensive coordinator for the final four games of the 2015 season. He was credited with... Uh, with boosting Tannehill to having back-to-back 3,000-yard seasons and the two best seasons of his career. But, you know, as we saw, Tannehill has never been anything great. And having a guy who is known for working with Ryan Tannehill in the past can't be too inspiring, I would think. Then he went to the University of Cincinnati for a year, but then uh, he really made his hay with the Rams last year. Last year, 2017, uh, he was the wide receivers coach. And you saw how Robert Woods and, uh, took a big step forward under him. Uh, how Cooper Cup was an instant sensation as a rookie, so he has that in his pocket. And uh, then he became the quarterback's coach uh, for the Rams last year. And uh, Jared Goff, even though he had a bad Super Bowl, even though he played very badly uh, down the stretch overall, well, mediocre down the stretch and had a bad Super Bowl, he's really credited with uh, – with helping Goff make a leap, a huge leap uh, from his rookie season to his second year and uh, and then uh, really guiding the offense for the first 12 games uh, this year in which he looked really good. He also had a four-touchdown game in Week 16. Uh, no matter what you say about Goff in the Super Bowl, there's no doubt that he's, he's really made the jump from being a bad NFL quarterback to a steady one. So uh, I think he gets a lot of credit for that. There are some good offensive pieces for him in place. Uh, Fantasy players well know about Joe Mixon and uh, what he can do. We'd like to see a little bit more out of Mixon in the passing game this year. Uh, But we certainly know what he can do as a runner. And he's going to be the main goal line back for this team. He's still a top 10 fantasy running back. I don't think anything changes here with Joe Mixon. Uh, look, there are some pieces in the passing game. It's just about A.J. Green staying healthy. I hope uh, I hope, I hope, this new coach is bringing the trainer over with him because all he needs is for A.J. Green to stay healthy. And uh, Tyler Boyd, he showed last year what he could do with A.J. Green on the field. And then you have John Ross, who's a, who's a deep threat as well. So all the pieces are there in place. And I think you have to be optimistic about a lot of these Bengals guys from a fantasy perspective. Knowing a new coach is going to come in there and lead, it, lead, lead a spark emotionally and from an intangible perspective, you know, maybe this team could play more to its potential on offense with Zach Taylor coming in. And uh, you can get a big year out of A.J. Green just if he stays healthy. We know what he can do when he's on the field. But if he can make Andy Dalton into a better quarterback, you know, that's only only better for this offense. It's about making Andy Dalton into a winner here. They have all the offensive balance that they can want. They have a very good running game. Uh, you still have Gio Bernard there as well. And uh, they've got three three really promising wide receivers, Tyler Boyd and John Ross. Uh, the quarterback's got everything. That, Andy Dalton's got everything there for him to succeed now. Uh, if he's got a healthy A.J. Green, 
then he's got everything a quarterback could want in terms of playmakers. He's also got mixing out of the backfield too. So uh, with a new head coaching staff, you know what these players can do. But as I think it's got to stir some optimism from an intangible and emotional perspective that these guys will play, be playing for a new head coach who's going to bring in a new positive culture. And that means you can only look at these Bengals guys, especially in the receiving game, with some promise for 2019. Uh, you know, will we see more big plays out of Ross? That's definitely uh, that's definitely possible because let's remember what you know this guy did with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as a wide receivers coach with the Rams. So that and I think you know Tyler Boyd can definitely sustain the track that he started to be on last year and be a maybe even be a fantasy wide receiver too for this team. So anytime I'm looking at a Bengal here, whether it's from a uh, from a dynasty keeper perspective, sort of, I'll take this new coaching staff into account. Mixon, no matter who who the coach is, I think he's a lock, basically to you know to be uh, a guy you consider with your number one or your number two keeper, and uh, you just want to keep him in your dynasty league uh, as a keeper. I. It, I, I would certainly consider keeping AJ Green based on this. Uh, I certainly would strongly consider keeping Tyler Boyd in the third round or thereafter, depending on what your round penalty is. Knowing that uh, a lot depends on a healthy Green, but you'll have you'll have a more uh, you'll have a better atmosphere there in Cincinnati. You can't just look at the numbers; you have to look at intangibles sometimes. And uh, you know, football is a game of emotion driven heavily by emotion and a lot of intangibles. And uh, I like John Ross more as a, as a best ball player now for 2019, you know, somebody that I can take later on. Uh, who's going to play tight end for this team in 2019? All three of their top tight ends are free agents, Tyler Eifert, CJ Ozuma, and Tyler Croft. Uh, they signed uh, Eifert basically to a one-year deal last year and, uh, to see if he could stay healthy, and he couldn't, so maybe he won't be back. Maybe it's free agency. Uh, that's a guy I can see, like I'm, I'm saying on RotoExperts.com this morning in my Patriots preview. Maybe the, if he doesn't come back in Cincinnati, uh, maybe the, the Bengals take a flyer on Tyler Eifert. But if not, C.J. Uzuma, uh, a lot of talk that he should be back. Uh, Uzuma was very overrated as a back-end tight end, back-end uh uh, some people looked at him as uh, like a high-end tight end two or even maybe even in some weeks as a back back-end tight end one. But uh, even as a high-end tight end two, he was overrated. You look at Osama's numbers, and they were just awful. It's just I never recommended to start him in any given week. Uh, he really wasn't part of the offense at all. Uh, but maybe with Dalton healthy this past this upcoming season, uh, we'll see better outlooks for Croft and for Osama and getting that tight end more involved in the red zone, although this will probably be a different offense. I don't think you can count on that. They have three wide receivers and a really good running back to count on, but uh, you know, the, we'll have to wait and see who, uh, which tight ends are going to come back and how they're going to be incorporated uh, in a dynasty league. Uh, you'll still want to watch to see uh, whether you should be holding on to Uzuma or Croft going into next season. But you know, this is all about a culture change here. We know what the pieces are in Cincinnati here, and uh, I think they can only look at it as a positive. Uh, ESPN did their way too early 
fantasy uh, power rankings for the NFL for 2019, and they have the Dolphins at number 22 and the Bengals at 28. Uh, I probably disagree with that. I'd put the Dolphins closer to 30 and uh, probably move the Bengals up maybe a few slots. Uh, when I was to do my overall NFL power rankings, I think the Bengals definitely have more talent than the Dolphins heading into 2019. But both of these coaches are very, very inexperienced. You know, they're very under 40 years old. You know, but that's been the trend in the NFL recently uh, to go with these young uh, offensive minds rather than going for uh, you know the older guys because uh, you know everybody wants to get a, a piece of what what Sean McVay was putting out there to spark that offense. But if you look at the teams that made the Final Four this year, uh, you, the coaches you still you had Belichick, you had uh, you had Peyton, and you had Andy Reid. So three of those four guys were still veteran NFL head coaches. Uh, you know, is this is this movement towards the young head coach? Is it not not going to work when uh, when you look at guys other than McVay? Because experience counts, especially when you're making a move from a coordinator position to a head coach, and you don't have that much experience as as uh, or, you know. As, as a head coach or as a coordinator or none like Brian Flores, who's making uh making a leap from linebackers coach to head coach. That that's a big jump. That's the one thing I think you can be critical about when you're looking at the, uh, at the Dolphins hire is, uh, you know, this guy really is no spent no time as, uh, you know, really being a coordinator. He, he has, he has no coordination experience, but then on the flip side, you know, he has been a part of this Patriots dynasty since 2004. And, you know, the Dolphins want a piece of that. You know, when teams win a lot, everybody wants a piece of that in the offseason, whether it's players, coaches, or whatever. Uh, we haven't seen the uh, the Patriots assistants really go on from uh, being with Belichick and gaining too much success. So that question mark is going to be weighed out there for Brian Flores as well. All right, thanks for listening to the Roto Experts podcast. For Tuesday, we'll be back talking more football and some fantasy baseball on Wednesday.